Good morning. It's Monday, October 4th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Five years ago, a groundbreaking investigation revealing the Panama Papers opened a window into the financial dealings of the world's elite. It exposed tactics that the super-rich used to keep their wealth secret. Now, an even bigger investigation is here. This time it's called the Pandora Papers. It offers a deeper look into how presidents, prime ministers, and royals can hide billions in ways ordinary people can't. You know, you and I, we put our money in in banks and in our 401ks and, you know, but there really is this parallel financial universe where the world's wealthiest people are able to shield their money and their assets. That's Debbie Sinsipper. She's a reporter with The Washington Post. It was one of the many outlets around the world which broke this story. This investigation is massive. Hundreds of journalists went through nearly 12 million leaked files. It's really just a fascinating look at the financial secrets of of people that move their money um, to destinations around the globe. And they thought um, that, you know, (laughs) nobody would find out. Uh, But um, the stories that we're publishing this week uh, will expose some of those secrets. The files detail the luxury Monte Carlo apartment of a woman who reportedly had a years-long secret relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin, The property was purchased just weeks after she gave birth to a child, who many believe is Putin's daughter. The multi-million dollar apartment is held by a shell company in the British Virgin Islands. The Kremlin and the woman who owns the apartment did not respond to reporter questions about the Pandora Project findings. The Pandora Papers also looked at King Abdullah II of Jordan. According to the papers, he spent more than $100 million on luxurious homes in places like Washington and Malibu, The properties are held by shell companies, and this investigation is pointing out that the majority of these U.S.-based homes were purchased when Jordan was going through a lot of economic and political instability. King Abdullah's lawyers deny wrongdoing, and they say he has not misused public money. One place that you might not expect pops up in these documents, and that's South Dakota. Hidden wealth has often been associated with Swiss banks and Caribbean accounting firms. But South Dakota, Nevada, and other states have financial secrecy laws that appeal to rich people who want to keep their holdings secret. The Pandora Papers show many leaders of foreign governments and their families moving private fortunes into trusts based in the U.S. This is a sweeping investigation. In the days ahead, you can expect more revelations from the Pandora Papers. You can read more in the Apple News app. Today's the beginning of what could be a very consequential term for the Supreme Court. This is a term where the court will hear a lot of issues that I think the Republican Party has cared about for a long time and has wanted to move the law to the right on for a very long time. That's Ian Milheiser. He's a reporter with Vox and a former federal clerk. There's a lot of people on the right right now who see this term as their best chance in years to move the needle on key social issues. The court's 6-3 conservative majority has them hoping for major changes in areas including abortion and gun rights. Also remember, this is Justice Amy Coney Barrett's first full term on the bench. Let's start with abortion. 
The case before the court involves a Mississippi law that effectively bans abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The stakes are a lot higher than this one law because the court is being asked to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, If the court allows um, just a 15-week ban to go into effect, that would be an earthquake in its abortion jurisprudence. But the state of Mississippi, which passed the law, is asking the court to just outright overrule Roe v. Wade, which would mean that states would be free to ban abortion altogether if they wanted to. This term, gun rights, are also going to be tested. There's a case going before the court that challenges a New York state law which requires people who want a license to carry a concealed handgun prove that they have a special need for protection. Milheiser says conservatives are optimistic. I think it's very likely that the Supreme Court is going to strike this law down and in the process that they are going to substantially expand their understanding of the Second Amendment. Milheiser is also paying attention to a case involving Medicare drug payments. This is a case that he says could be a really big one. It could have far-reaching implications for how much leeway federal agencies have to set policy. Everything from our environmental policy to questions of, like, whether you can get the COVID vaccine for free to questions about, like, what sort of coverage your insurance company is required to cover to questions of whether or not you get overtime pay. These are all questions that are answered by federal agencies. And I think there's a real risk that the court is going to claim for itself a power to veto whatever federal agencies do. The court is also holding arguments in person for the first time since going remote during the pandemic. Justice Brett Kavanaugh, he won't be attending because last week he tested positive for COVID. The court says he is fully vaccinated and doesn't have any symptoms. He'll be working from home. Women's soccer players have had enough. That's the message they're sending loud and clear after a series of allegations of abuse and sexual coercion in the National Women's Soccer League. The Athletic has done some significant reporting here. It's really helped unearth this story. On Thursday, the sports news outlet published an in-depth investigation into Paul Riley. He coached the North Carolina Courage. And one of the players tells The Athletic, Riley coerced her into having sex with him. She and another player also say Riley pressured them to kiss each other. He's denied sexual relations or advances. On Thursday, Riley was fired. The next day, the commissioner of the league resigned. Multiple games were canceled over the weekend. The league has hired an outside law firm to investigate the allegations. And more players have come forward to share their own stories and to demand change. As you think about the story, some broader context is important involving the league's economics and the power dynamics that that created. Star American athletes like Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan have played for the league and gotten lucrative endorsement deals, but the league itself has financially struggled. Most players earn less than $31,000 a year. According to The Athletic, some felt disempowered, pressured not to complain about problems. In a league where men held many powerful management roles, the women on the field felt pressured to stay quiet because speaking out could damage the league. The commissioner, however, the one who just resigned, was a woman named Lisa Baird. Now, I should say she was a former executive at New York Public Radio, which is where I used to work, though I didn't work with her directly. Baird and the league have been criticized by players who say allegations were known well before the athletic story came out. 
Over the weekend on social media, players let the world know how outraged they are. They want the league to take responsibility and protect players going forward. As Megan Klingenberg tweeted, we deserve better. When you think about the heavy hitters of American history, who would you consider more well-known? Casimir Pulaski or Thomas Jefferson? Pulaski was a Polish cavalry officer in the Revolutionary War. And while he may not have gotten your vote just now, nationwide, there are more monuments dedicated to him than there are to Jefferson. National Geographic looks at findings from the first comprehensive survey of American monuments. This is important because this type of detailed overview gives us a little more clarity about who literally and figuratively gets put on a pedestal in America. And it adds a lot of data to a big discussion right now. How can we be more inclusive when we recognize history? This survey finds that Abraham Lincoln has the most public monuments, followed closely by George Washington. There's some really interesting details in here, like Joan of Arc comes out ahead of Alexander Hamilton. There are significantly more statues of mermaids than there are of congresswomen. I'm talking about 11 times more. This Mellon Foundation survey finds a lot is missing. For example, there's no monument that deals with the dozens of massacres of Black Americans following the Civil War. Various memorials celebrate the experience of pioneers, but they largely avoid how Western expansion affected Indigenous people. By cataloging the state of statues for the first time, researchers are hoping that we can begin to fill the gaps in history. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.